this week on Erotic Awakening. Navigating complete submission without being a doormat, 43 sex therapists, and recovery from fisting. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Patron supporters receive a free version of the audiobook Polyamory Toolkit, as well as ad-free early access, cast-free ebooks, exclusive chats, and other content. Check out all the options at eroticawakening.com. And thank you to our latest supporters, Alexandria and Cauldron of Cauldron Script. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Don. Hi, Dan. Don, today on the podcast, uh, we are going to be talking about how to recover your vagina after a fisting. Um, some results of a interview with 43 sex therapists. But first, and I hope I come up with a better title for this, the idea is that the question, I guess, and it's going to be a question for you, is how do you navigate being a complete submissive without being a doormat? And this actually has all kinds of connotations. Um power exchange, consensual non-consent relationships. Um, and, you know, really being a, tr and I hate to say true submissive. I was going to call you out on that one. <laughs> but to truly submit, to truly surrender in a power exchange relationship, but still protecting your own emotional health, still protecting your own um your own best self, best interest. And I'm really curious, actually, what your perspective on this is. It's because you and I do have that relationship where if I told you to quit a job or go to college or uh, put the dog down or sell all your things and move into an RV, my expectation is that you are going to get beyond your own reservations about that and just do it. So, and it's, it's kind of hard, right? I mean, in our, not in our dynamic, but with our personalities, it's even hard because you are very much the adventurer and you trust that everything's going to turn out okay. And I don't, I'm the one that likes to be in a safe space and to think about security and things like that first. Not that you don't think about security, but I'm the one that's wanting to put on the brakes all the time mm -hmm. as you're the sled dog going, no, no, no. Well, actually, are you the driver telling me to go, go, go as, as, as the sled dog thing? Mm -hmm. Are you pulling or are you yelling? Let's go. You know, a little bit of both. So, um, so we've been together, what, 22 years at this point. That picture on the TV just grabbed my attention. I don't know what to do with it. And now it's gone. <laughs> Um, we've been together for a really long time and in March, it'll be formally collared for 22 years, I think. And my goal with our power exchange, my goal with my slavehood, my goal is to let my slave heart come out and fully surrender, surrender. If I'm constantly questioning you. If I'm constantly putting on the brakes, if I'm constantly wondering whether I can trust you or trust the situation or trust that it's going to turn out okay, I can't slide into that surrendered slavehood that is my goal. 
And I know different people use different words and, you know, sometimes these words don't work for people, but let, let's just go with it for a little bit. Now, the trick is, is that I do have some emotional issues, right? I do have um, mental health issues that I've worked on, like post-traumatic stress disorder. So how do I surrender when a big piece of me wants to protect myself, mm -hmm. right? How do I surrender to another human being and give him all of me and everything when I've been harmed in the past by people that I should have been able to trust, mm -hmm. right? You know, how can you do that? And I've had people, I've had vanilla people laugh at me for wanting to surrender or, or they just have no clue how I can surrender and not be loud and be about taking up for myself all the time or something like that, right? So how do I do that? And man, that I don't know that people can, I don't know that I can do that with anybody else. You know, you and I did that because we built a relationship. We built a trusting foundation you showed me time and time again that you were trustworthy and that I could surrender to you and you had my best interest at heart and our best interest at heart. So that way I could let go some, right? So I'm not a doormat. I've given this a lot of thought. I'm not... Sometimes it involves me falling back on my mantra, love, trust, faith. Mm-hmm when I have doubt, right? So. I think that's a big part of it, though, is you, you start off with, first off, you start off with the selection process of who you are surrendering to. Right. Right. And there's nothing wrong with, in the beginning of a relationship, to make that leader earn your trust. Mm. I personally don't expect anybody that, wants to be in my collar to just flip a switch and say, okay, I am, I have complete 100% faith in you person I've known for a week and I'm willing to sign, you know, here's my checkbook. It's, it's kind of scary though, that people will try to do that. You know, we talked about this while we were at Apex last night and people, you know, someone asked us the question, how do we slow people down? And it's like, you know, it's hard when there's slave crave and, and, sub frenzy and and mm -hmm. even dom frenzy right even doms get that frenzy as well before they're really capable of um being responsible for another person and for us we really we talked as peers a lot we got to know each other you know i needed to express hey this is what i'm looking for to see if it was even something you wanted to be responsible for. Mm -hmm. You know, people think about power exchange and levels of the roles very differently. So for me, I had to be courageous enough because this is not what I was. This is not what my girlfriends, right? Mm -hmm. My peers, you know, my vanilla peers. This is not what they would see as healthy. So I don't really have people that I can talk to. So I had to be courageous enough to look at that drive within me and go, you know, this is something I want. I want to surrender to someone that I totally trust. It is healthy 
for me, actually, to put someone else first sometimes. If I'm always putting me first and being selfish about it, and again, I would love to sit down and have conversations with people about this whole ideology, ideology, you know, I get wrapped up in my own pity pot. I get wrapped up in my own triggers when I put myself and only think of myself first. I, I get wrapped up in all that stuff and I don't grow as a person. Mm -hmm. When I put someone else first, when I'm concentrating on you, for some reason, when I surrender to you, I grow as a person. And I don't know exactly how to explain that right here, right now. but. I know through experience that that helps my emotional and mental health when I'm in a situation where I can totally trust you and surrender to you. So for people that are newer to the lifestyle or mm -hmm. in newer relationships, it must be a lot harder to get to that place of trusting that dominant and letting your walls down and letting their decision that on the face of it might go, oh, I don't know about that idea, to just go, well, I'm going to roll with it uh, because that's the commitment that I've made. I, I think there's different kinds of people. I think for a lot of us, it does take a while to build that trust, right? We're trying to develop something permanent, you know, as permanent as you can be. We're trying to develop something deep. So, so it takes time to get to that surrender point mm -hmm. i knew you for a long time before we did this and it still took me time to get to that surrender point for some people it, and that's because i'm a toe dipper for some people they're a jump in the deep end and and swim out if they got to right mm -hmm. sort of thing so it's easier for them but then it becomes harder on the back end because they thought it was going to be easy and it wasn't. And now they're confused when they backpedal because they thought that it should just be, boop, I surrender. Right. And then it doesn't happen like that. And then they doubt themselves when they start to question themselves. So all that upheaval. Is it okay then to be in this power exchange relationship and make that commitment and then say, what if you, what if the person suggests, hey, let's, let my uh, mom move in with us and you hate that person and you're like, whoa, that's a terrible idea. Is it okay for you to speak up and say, or, and how do you speak up if it is, for you to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to roll over on this one. I, I, I am strongly opposed to this one. Mm -hmm. Again, it depends on the people, right? I can see a couple of situations here. First off, I would hope that you have a way to communicate already built into your relationship, mm -hmm. right? I would hope that you have a way as a submissive, as a slave, I hope you have a way that you're allowed to speak up, right? But then again, I, I can pick, I'm picturing someone else's relationship and I'm like, wow, are they allowed to speak up? Did they consent to not speaking up and always following Nah, she speaks up. So he still makes the final choice, right? The, the master, the leader still makes the final choice with this relationship I'm thinking of. But she does get voice. Um, doesn't mean she gets listened to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, with us, 
if you said, hey, I'm moving someone in, I'd probably look at you cross-eyed first because we live in a 30-foot home. You know, how are we going to do that? Logistics. But, um, and I have the right to call porch time and speak up as a peer. I have the right to to say whatever, but we've agreed you get final choice. Well, I, and I'm going to push back on the idea that you could call porch time because that's not really the intent of porch time. It isn't. Is, that is true. I, as a communicate, it is more of the, we have no, as an emotional outlet, but right. we don't have to go too far down that path. But I, I love what you said about, you know, I, I want to build a relationship where you have voice, you have the opportunity to speak up, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that I'm going to actually listen to you. Right. right. Um, no, you don't have to make your decision based on any information I give you. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, if I start to speak up to give you information, sometimes you don't want that information, right. you know, and that is the relationship I've agreed to. That is actually, if I have too much voice, I'm not happy. Because it makes me feel like I'm in charge and I don't want to be in charge. Now, the the rest of it, though, is that in this relationship, it is the, the a requirement of that leader in a relationship to be aware that a decision is impacting your emotional health mm-hmm. and to come up with a remediation plan for that, right? I might stick with the decision that I'm moving, uh, that somebody's moving their mom in, for example. But I also recognize that that's going to have an emotional health impact on you. And I've got to address that as well. I've got to adjust for that. So that is what allows you to fully submit and allow me to make those choices is that we go back to this idea of trust and faith that I will have your best interest at heart and that I Mm -hmm. will take care of your emotional health as well, especially when it's impacted by my decisions. Right. So, yeah, that's a that's a that's a deep question. You know, how can how can I come from a place of surrender, but also not be a doormat? Well, you've been doing a wonderful job of it so far. And I, don't I hope think, so, because that, that is a long topic. <laughs> I don't think anyone would call you a doormat. No, not at all. And I don't know that I could go there, but I do in a negative way, right? Like I said, you know, f- for some people, they could consent that to that sort of relationship. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, that is not the style that I want to be a part of. But though I do want to surrender, I also feel like I'm a smart cookie sometimes. And I do have things to offer that would benefit you in your decision making. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, and if we were going to, if you were going to move somebody in with us, let's say we were still in the big poly house and you were going to move somebody in with us. I don't see you doing that willy nilly. Mm-hmm. I see you sitting me down, sitting whoever else is living with us down and having conversations. Well, this is literally what I did. Right. Because we did that scenario where I had, uh, I wanted Karen to move into the big poly well, to create the big poly right. house she with us. Right, she did move in with us. We, that's but it was we created together. It wasn't me just decreeing, here's what's going to happen. It was the three of us sitting down and saying, how does this work? Does it work? Um, you know, what are the logistics of it? What's the emotional impact? What do we require of this new, you know, how is everybody going to have their voice heard in this new world? See, and that, to me, that's what makes you um, a mature, responsible adult. Don't cringe at that, but, <laughs> you know, because... 
you did have a fantasy, but you also realized there was logistics with it. So because you can do that, that's how I'm able to surrender to you. I know if I'm like, you know, I really don't see this working. Let me tell you why. I don't see you physically getting foot stompy. Mm -hmm. You might in your head a little bit, like, but I really want this to work. But you're also present enough to actually look at it and see if it's something that will work. I would say I would get, I have allowed myself to get foot stompy as an initial reaction mm -hmm. on occasion. But it's a matter of recognizing it and recovering from that and getting back on board with having a logistical conversation versus a wah conversation. Mm -hmm. And if you decided, so my experience tells me, if you decided to do something a certain way and it didn't work out, you're usually pretty good at um, fixing it on the back end uh -huh. or, or whatever. But this, this comes with experience so, and, and learned trust. So surrender, emotional health. I know you've got my best interest at heart, so that helps a lot. And I appreciate your faith in me. I hope you will continue to have faith in, in me when I put you on the road and I take you to crazy places like Toronto, Detroit, Pennsylvania, and Maryland for our upcoming presenting gigs. Keep up with all our events, book news, discounts, and more via the Erotic Awakening newsletter. And get your EA shout-out like Angelique from South Dakota. Ooh, South Dakota. Head over to eroticawakening.com and subscribe today. So, Dawn, I don't know if you care about this, but uh, we've been getting um, some interesting information. Apparently, some kind of key findings from this study of 43 sex therapists. Um, so, just FYI, 30% of the experts agree that the best position for delaying ejaculation is the spooning position. Mm-hmm. Because it limits the depth and speed of thrusting. I like the spooning position. I we kind don't of, do spooning We don't do spooning, but we have done spooning scissor. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that, that is really cool. I really like that position too. But, but it's not my, my best favorite. I like it, it's, but it's not my best favorite. Well, how about the 35% of those surveys that did say their best position? If for and this is specifically for improving erection strength is doggy style. My favorite. I love it. Throw me over the bed, take me doggy style. I I love it. So there's a depth, there's a friction, there's a fullness, there's a yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> and apparently the uh the position for enhancing intimacy, according to twenty-nine percent of these people, is missionary black and the lesser known Yab yum. Oh, we know about yab yum. Yes. Um, you have to be so yab yum is like the he sits cross legged and she straddles his lap mm -hmm. and wraps her legs around him. You have to be a certain limberness and body style, right? If either one of you have a larger belly, right. it doesn't work too well. So I haven't had a chance to experience yab yum. Too I, much I, I will say I can understand why they would say this has the opportunity for more eye contact, more full oh, body yeah. crossing um, versus like a doggy style. I'm surprised they don't mention um, lazy guy laying on his back while girl does all the work on top. Isn't that like cowgirl style or something? I think cowgirls will your face. Oh, that's reverse cowgirl. Yeah. So I think that's considered cowgirl, maybe. Girl on top. <laughs> I... So, um, 
I mean, that is very intimate as well. You can do eye gazing that way. And uh-huh, you, I... you know the funny thing? So when it comes to sex, I love doggy style. When it mm-hmm. comes to being fucked, I love doggy style. I just love the whole... It has to do with the power exchange. It's the primal thing. It's that whole taken from behind. But when I'm being fisted, and you can use this as a segue if you want to, when I'm being fisted, I don't like being fisted doggy style. I've had that happen once before because I was having a hard time taking a fist. Uh-huh. And someone's like, oh, I can help you out with that. And they couldn't do it with me laying on my back. So they had me get on my hands and knees and they were able to fist me. I didn't like that at all. I, I just didn't. It felt. I, I don't know. So when I'm being fisted, I absolutely love to be on my back and that's so that I can see the person's face. Right. And I can see that they don't think I'm too slutty and that they're getting mm. into it. And then I kind of, when I was on my hands and knees, I kind of felt like, I want to say I felt like a cow. I felt like an inanimate object, even though a cow's not an inanimate right. object. But, you know, so that's really, that's really weird. I will um, use that for a segue in just a moment. Um, <laughs> then it's not much well that is actually a good segue Um, but we'll get there we'll talk about being vaginas and having them recover from fisting in a moment Uh, I want to mention real quickly a quick thank you to Apex Arizona Power Exchange for letting us come in and present the uh, class that we did submission is a gift and other bullshit that we don't tolerate Uh, so we had a wonderful time presenting for Apex up there Mm mm-hmm and before that, we had a wonderful dinner with uh, Packmaster Doug and Minkari. So that was a really good dinner. That was a really good dinner. <laughs> and it's good. It's one of the nice things about this whole travel thing that we're doing is we do get to meet new people and actually spend a little bit of time with them and get to know people. Um, yeah, we met them at an event down here a couple of years ago. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it is really nice to to um, spend time with them again and, and to get them get to know them as human beings. Right. So, awesome. Um, all right. So, what about your vagina? So, Don, um, <laughs> random person on the internet writes in and says, "Will my vagina? How long will it take my vagina to recover from a fisting?" Um, and and the thinking is that fists are pretty big, and this person really enjoys sex, and they don't want their pussy blown out. Oh, that's you know, I have not had a problem with that at all, and um, I have not been fisted in a while. But I don't remember having any problem with that. So, I mean, people have, I was going to say, people have babies. Right. But that does take a, a little bit to recover. But it's not that long. Well. Our, our bodies are built. Uh, our bodies are built to have babies and recover so we can have more babies. So, fisting, I'm going to tell you, if you've ever had a baby, a fist is nowhere close. It may feel like it sometimes, <laughs> but it's nowhere close. So, you know, recovery has not been a problem for me at all. According to the my internet research, Ooh. Um, most people agree with you. They, they all point out that, hey, a baby is a lot bigger than a fist. It's mm-hmm. a lot more traumatic to the vagina. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really just not a problem. Now, that is with the idea that the person doing the fisting has a little bit of skill that they're taking their time they're using they're doing lube plenty of lube right but there's um and this is with vaginal vaginal vagina yes. fisting it's a little bit different with anal fisting so if you're going to get into that i would absolutely do some research on that 
Um, yeah, but it does say that it, most people are saying that, nope, it's just going to, it's mm -hmm. designed to stretch and it's just going to return back to normal. Yep. So don't worry about it. Go get fisted. You That's should be been fine. my experience. Um, and then there's some person That's who says that they love comically large toys and being fisted. And they say uh, it's there's no lasting effect. I just like the idea of comically large toys. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So, you know, that's on my 101 list is to be fisted again. Oh, well, so. what are you doing tonight? <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know what? That is actually funny. I don't know that you and I could fist me. I don't know that that combination works anymore because I had surgery that left scar tissue, uh -huh. which keeps me from stretching as wide as I used to be able to, which is why I haven't been fisted in a while. Everybody seems to have huge hands. And you have a tweaked bone in your wrist that you had to stop fisting me because I gripped too tight. That's a good point. That's fair. So between your wrist and my hoo-ha, <laughs> I had to get that word in there. <laughs> I don't know that our combination works. <laughs> There's only one way to find out. Mm, Left-handed. <laughs> well, that, that's absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I see just Eric has sent in uh, some kind of a purple thing. Yeah, so just Eric sent um, tentacle pictures. So purple, which is the best kind of tentacles. Purple tentacles taking a girl. So, and then Puddles sent me a crocheted octopus sitting on a rock by the sea. So it, it was just cute. Mm -hmm. And then Enigma has been on a roll. I just went and checked the Discord channel, and Enigma has sent like four in a row of the tentacle porn. And finally, uh, apparently, what is the flag of the day? So I've been on a kick recently. Um, I like to throw things out there on our social media. And sometimes it's a BDSM word of the day. Sometimes it's a quote. Sometimes it's a whatever. And recently, I've been doing like a flag of the day. So the last couple of days have been poly pride flags, of mm -hmm. which there is not just one. So been on the roll with that. Pansexual flags. I, I, there's all kinds of flags in this community. And I'd actually really like to do a show on the importance of flags. So, but uh, right now, it's pictures of flags and what they mean. So along with our fun antics in the Arizona desert. I don't know why you're laughing so I'm much laughing about that. I'm laughing so hard because none of them involve naughtiness. <laughs> Take a moment to support the podcast. Wait, us love the podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Or just tell your friends. Feel free to reach out to us. We love interacting with you. Contact us with questions, podcast comments, or just to say hi. You can find us at FetLife as Dan and Dawn. We are Erotic Awakening on Instagram. Or use the links from the Erotic Awakening website, Facebook, and Discord. Or just email us at Dan and Dawn at gmail.com. Bye, Dawn. Bye, Dan.